Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hour number two on a Saturday morning get-together here on 94 WIP. Jody Mack in for Glenn Mack now. Uh, Mike Sealski by my side. Yes, we're talking mostly Phillies after the game one victory in the World Series last night. But tomorrow afternoon, by day in the World Series, the bye week team returns to action. That would be the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles here to give us his read on if they'll hit the ground running now that the bye is in our rearview mirror. Is the guy who covers them day in and day out for NBC Sports Philly. And with us here on 94 WIP, Mr. Ruben Frank. How was your bye week, Ruben? Yeah, my bye week was was great. I got COVID and uh, you know spent the spent the off day uh, off days uh, dealing with that. So uh, pretty good timing there. Didn't miss any games. Good to <laughs> go tomorrow. A, that that's a good attitude out of you. Got COVID, but I'm good because I didn't miss any time at work. That's a very good attitude, Mister Frank. <laughs> All right, uh, Eagles bye week comes after week six, and they're six and zero. Oh. Good timing, bad timing, probably good for Lane Johnson, but just overall, did the buy serve the Eagles justice? Yeah, I think it's actually pretty good timing because, you know, you think about it, it's only six games, but, you know, you're talking about training camp and they've been going since uh, the end of July, so we're sitting here at the end of October. Uh, so I think it's pretty good timing. You look at the injury list and uh, there's nobody on it. I mean, they're they're literally completely healthy going into – uh, into week eight, so that's a pretty good place to be. I mean, I guess having it a couple weeks later uh, might have been might have been nice, but yeah, you get Lane back; he's he's ready to go, and um, yeah, physically, health wise, and you don't hear anybody complaining about those short training camp practices when they're completely healthy <laughs> in week eight. Rube, uh, Jody, and I were batting a question around earlier in the show about when the Eagles actually might lose a game. Now, this is the NFL. There's a lot of parity. Obviously, they could lose any game. That's the nature yeah. of the league now. But you look at their upcoming schedule. Steelers at home. Texans on the road. Washington at home. Colts in Indianapolis, et cetera, et cetera. Is there a game that you see on their schedule coming up that they wouldn't be favored in? Well, I think the Bills game in the Super Bowl would Wow. <laughs> I mean, if they keep winning, I actually wrote a piece on this, kind of looked at their, their last 11 opponents and, and kind of handicapping, you know, the odds of losing one of those games. I mean, you look at the next four quarterbacks they're going to play. I mean, they have a combined 22 career wins. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, and then you get Aaron Rodgers, who's, you know, about to lose his fourth game in a row. And uh, so, 
you know, they could they could lose any week, but I'll tell you what: if they take care of business, at least they're gonna they're gonna if if they lose one of these next four, I'll be really surprised. And you go, you have Green Bay coming in; they're not the Green Bay of old, but it's still Aaron Rodgers. But these next four, I'll tell you what: the the one game, I mean, Washington always gives them trouble. I think Heineke is a guy who he's not a great quarterback, but he's scrappy and he runs around and makes plays. And you know, he's he's a little scary, certainly scarier than the the. The guy, guy who, who replaced. preceded him. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think um, certainly you, you would have to go to, you know, the Giants and Cowboys games. Tennessee's, you know, they're really good. That that's a tough game. You know, Houston, it's a short week on the road. You know, you're playing on a Thursday, but they're not going to lose to the Texans. So, uh, you know, the the games that I'd be concerned about, really, the only game outside the division is Tennessee. I mean, that's the only game that really worries you. Uh, so. I mean, the Colts did it first, but, you know, because, I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, you're playing a Hall of Fame quarterback, but, gosh, I mean, Not now. Sam Ellinger. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it, it, you look at all the good quarterbacks they faced early last year, and it's like the opposite now, so uh, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. All right, despite the Eagles not playing for the last 14 days, doesn't mean they weren't active. Howie Roseman surely was. Made an addition to the team with a trade. I'm going to give you the two opposite ends here. Robert Quinn, the missing piece, who will deliver a Super Bowl to Philadelphia. Robert Quinn acquisition, complete overkill. Why do they? They're pretty damn good at defensive end. Don't quite understand it. And used up draft pick capital to get him. It lands somewhere. The truth lands somewhere in the middle. Which is it closer to, Rube? I think he'll help them. I, I, you know, he's a guy with 18 and a half sacks last year. He was double teamed a lot this year. You know, you watch film of him, and he, he's a guy that still has some juice, I think, a little bit older. Uh, but for a stopgap guy to, to give you 11 games, 12, 13, whatever it is, uh, I like the move. I think it's worth a fourth-round pick. I mean, how he can, can conjure draft picks out of, you know, you know, clear blue sky. I mean, he'll he'll – Hey, you need a fourth round pick. We'll just, you know, we'll find one somewhere. So I'm not worried about the draft pick. You know, when you have you have the fourth pick overall, maybe next year it kind of, you know, makes that a little easier to take. I think you have a chance to get. And look, they're not as good as they should be uh, on the edge. I mean, I, I, you know, they had nine sacks against Washington, but they've got one the last two games, and I just don't think they've really pressured the way they should be able to with Sweat and BG and. You know the and, and Reddick. I mean, at times they have, but it, it hasn't been consistent. And you know that if, if you can pressure the quarterback, I mean, that's just it's such a huge thing. When when they don't, they're in trouble. And I, I I'm all for the move. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to get you ten sacks, but if he can just get you six and pressure the quarterback and add to the mix and, and add to the rotation, then I think it was well worth it. Rube, I was in the the locker room on Thursday and. A lot of the guys, a lot of the players were getting asked about the Phillies. Are you following the Phillies? What do you think of the Phillies? You know, Brandon Graham had been at one of the games of the league championship series, and so he was talking about that. You you have been around the Eagles for a long time, and there have been situations and periods when the Phillies were doing well or another team in town was doing well, and you see situations like this where other other teams get asked about it, and it's kind of in their faces, so to speak. From what you've observed over the years, is there a an effect? You know, do, would, are the Eagles looking at the Phillies? Do you think and saying, okay, you know, we got to match that. We we want some of that that juice. Um, does it is it a factor at all? You know, it's interesting. I've never been on the radio with you, Mike. We worked together for a lot of years. I've known you for 
you know, yeah. many, many years. many years. But when you ask me a question, it's like it's like I'm part of your column. Like your questions are like structured <laughs> and, you know, it's it's really interesting dynamic. Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it's 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 fun. It's a fun thing. And it's fun when, you know, two two teams or well, three teams in the city are doing really well. Um, so uh, I, I don't think there's any. Uh, this team is so focused on the next rep and the next snap and the next meeting and the next whatever it is that I, I just don't think any. I, I, re, I think it, it makes for a good story, maybe, but I don't think there's anything to that. And uh, you know, I, I mean, if they if they beat the Steelers, it's not because the the Phillies are are in the World Series. Uh, you know, I, th- I think people like looking for connections there, but you know, even Nick was asked about that, and you know, mm-hmm. if. if if you're going to use anything from, uh, you know, what the Phillies are doing. And he's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> if, if, I mean, if the king of pandering isn't going to use it, then wow. you know, I, I just I don't, I don't think there's anything there. But uh, it's certainly a really fun vibe in the city. And uh, and it's really cool when, when the teams support each other like they have. And, uh, you know, and, you know, you, you see you see guys, you see Eagles at the Sixers games. And, you know, you see, you always see, Phillies at Eagles games, and I mean it's just it's it's a really fun time right now. Uh, but like, but whether there's a connection, I don't really see that. I like what my buddy John McMullen calls him the pander in chief, uh, Nick Sirianni, with his ability to throw on a Philly flyer, six out, whatever he needs to do to keep that connection going. But I'll I'll try here on the connection thing. We gave a lot of credit to Rob Thompson, surely we should, uh, because of the fact that he's got the Phillies as loose as they are, same uh-huh. as Charlie Manuel did a decade and a half ago. That's a big job for a manager slash coach to do is make sure it's loose. Randy Sirianni, was really good at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, when in doubt, Rube makes a sixer reference. Um, uh, Nick Sirianni does the same exact thing in the Eagle locker room, doesn't he, Rube? Oh, absolutely, yeah, that's I mean, he's because he's himself. He's he's genuine. Uh, I think if if players will see right through you if you're putting that on, if if you're disingenuous about it. But I mean, it's who he is. He's like a he. He reminds me of like a a 15 year old kid who plays like little league baseball and then has a basketball game and then goes and has a soccer game and you know. I mean, he, that's just it, it's in his DNA. He's just a a guy that loves sports and and. Uh, loves competing and it's contagious and and I think it really brings his players closer to him because they they really share that sentiment they've grown up with it. So what's going to happen Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field, Rube? I, I think there's some really good matchups here for the Eagles and I, I think it's uh, you know Pittsburgh's pass defense is terrible. Uh, they've given up more big plays than any team in the NFL. They've given up 30 plays of 20 yards or more. Uh, it's something in the last few weeks the Eagles really haven't pushed the ball down the field. They really haven't needed to. Um, they've played it closer to the vest. But I think this is a game where they can really kind of stretch the field, get some plays down the field. Uh, Kenny Pickett has some talent. You can see it at times between the 20s. But in the red zone, he's been terrible. I think they can pick him off a couple times. Uh, you know, especially if they pressure him, which I think they will. So I, I you know, I, I, we all do our predictions. We you never pick like thirty to thirteen when you. you know, it's always <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to cover myself here, and I'll pick him to win, but just by eight. Uh, but I think this is a game that they can take command of, and and hopefully actually build on a lead in in the second half, which they haven't been able to do. I, I think it's, uh, you you never know, but I think it's a game they can they can win by a couple touchdowns.
All right, when the Eagles get to 7-0. Uh, and... Again, they should win by a couple touchdowns. Fair enough. Uh, when they get to 7-0 and after victory over the Steelers tomorrow, as per Reuben Frank and Jody McDonald and Mike Sielski, you're predicting an Eagle victory, right, Mike? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah, they, so they should win. Th- Rube is right. They should win easily. All three of us have them winning in relatively easy. And you know, it's a really interesting. I just, I just looked this up. He, Jalen Hurts is the the fourth youngest quarterback in NFL history to start out a season six and zero. I thought that was pretty interesting. Behind uh, Dan Marino was a little younger. Uh, Dante Culpepper with the Vikings in two thousand, and uh, Jared Goff with the Rams in eighteen. So that's an interesting little stat. Interesting. All right. Interesting uh, to after- me. <laughs> After, no, I, I live on the Rube, you guys, uh, but that's okay. the Rube comments come, uh, the Rube uh, 10 observations every week after the game. Uh, that may be one of them. He may be giving us a preview look here. Um, and my Saturday uh, morning 10 observations just posted at NBC Sports Philadelphia. So I, there I you go. go there as soon as we get off the air. All right. Um, but they, they win. And then we've got two more days till the trade deadline. And there are some rumors out there that Howie Roseman is still burning up the phones to try and add at least one more piece for this team. Running back, maybe a safety. Do they need a backup corner in case Slayer Bradbury gets down, uh, goes down? What do you think Howie will or won't do? What should he do or not do? The, the funny thing is Howie does his due diligence on every single player that's available. That's why you hear all these rumors, you know, because the agents are trying to, you know, get their guys, uh, you know, value up. And Howie is going to call on every single guy, even if it's a super-duper long shot. So you're going to hear the Eagles come up whenever a player is, is on the market. Uh, that said, I think he's done. I, I think that um, – I, I think there's a lot that goes into bringing in a player into into a you know into your culture, and I think there's um, there's there's positives and negatives, and sometimes it's it's a it's a tough fit. I, I think they really like what they have. Uh, I, I think they're they've got pretty good depth at most positions, and I'd be surprised if he gives up another pick. And then you have guys like you know people you know can you trade Dillard? I mean I I'm, I don't want to go into a stretch run with Jack Driscoll at left tackle if if Jordan Mulata gets hurt and. You have, you have the luxury of having a pretty good backup left tackle. Same with Minshew. You can probably get a pretty good pick for Minshew, but you know if you have Super Bowl aspirations, you're not getting rid of depth. So uh, I think he's done, but he surprised us before. Yeah, I would say uh, Gardner Minshew, one of the least tradable guys on the team. You, Ian Book, I know Nick Foles took the Eagles to a Super Bowl, but Ian Book is no Nick Foles. But, uh, Ian Book looks done. great in team stress, though. <laughs> Rube, always a pleasure. Enjoy watching the Phillies tonight. No, you will be. And then uh, go get them on uh, Sunday with another Eagle win. All right, guys. Sounds good. Thanks, Rube. Rube and Frank with us on 94 WIP. Uh, Yes. Uh, If we need to get officially on the record here, maybe we should because we got so many Philly calls. I think it's going to be a lesser scoring game than some other two. I think if you're going to play the Eagle game, it's a 10.5, 11-point spread. That's why I think they're going to win by right around that number. But I don't think Pittsburgh's going to put any points up. I think Pittsburgh gets 13, maybe even 10 in this game, Mike. So I would say the play for me would be under. I see this. It's either going to be 24-13 or uh, 23-14, which means they wouldn't get the cover, so that's why I'd stay away. Low-scoring Eagle win where they win by right around double digits. How do you see it going? Yeah, exactly the same way. The score I was going to say was 24-10. to 10. Uh, I think they get a late touchdown and kind of pull away. I-, I don't see the Steelers having much success moving the ball 
against the Eagles. Um, you know, not with Kenny Pickett. He's just not ready yet to uh, to take on a defense that's playing as well as the Eagles have played, particularly one that just added another pass rusher in Robert Quinn, as we discussed. So, I, I again, low-scoring game, relatively speaking, but I think a 24-10 Eagles victory. Mike and I see it uh, pretty similarly. If you want to make an Eagle prediction and or call Robert Quinn, Alvin Kamara, Ruben did a great job describing it, how he asks on everybody. Just because he asked on uh, Alvin Kamara doesn't mean Alvin Kamara is coming here. Um, But uh, mostly Philly scores. We've got a full board, so I want to get right back to them. 215-592-9494. Sealski and McDonald here with you Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I love the returns we have here on 94 WIP. They, they, they... 
put certain things completely aside, like the Steelers' terrible towels being much like what the Phillies fans are using at the games here in the World Series run, just a different color of red. But uh, I, I digress. Mike Sielski, Judd McDonald here at UI 94 WIP. I'm in for Glenn today. Um, my pleasure to be here. Glenn wishes he could. I'm taking advantage being able to talk to you guys at 215-592-9494. Les is up on 94 WIP. Thanks for holding, Les. Less, hello. Less once, less twice. See, and that's why I said we got to come back and we got to do some calls because these people are on hold forever. Yet less was, but apparently less dropped. So uh, we'll give Joe from Northeast Philly a shout out if he's there. Hello, Joe. Hey, Jody. Um, Mike, how you uh, doing? Doing okay. great, Joe. Good to hear from uh, you. Yes, um, like I said, um, uh, excuse my voice. It's not from yelling that something came over. The last couple of days, Mike, how, how how is your family? I I I know you have a special needs child, and my my best is always up uh, with you with you and, and them. Uh, they're doing great, Joe. Thank you so Good. much. That's okay. nice of you to say. Uh, you know, um, in the, uh, I, before the series started, I thought the Phillies had to take the, the two games out there. You know, everybody's satisfied with um, a one game uh, a split, uh, but you know, you, you want to. Uh, Get on there, the juggler tonight with uh, with Wheeler because you know Houston can feel like if they come here and take one of three, they still got two games back at home. So you want to get that second. You know, don't be satisfied. Get off to a little lead tonight and let let Wheeler uh, do do his thing. You know, I, I agree with you, Joe. I, I think. The Phillies would do themselves a world of good. I mean, it sounds obvious to say that they would do themselves a world of good by winning both games in Houston and getting out to a two-games-to-none lead, but I think your point is a good one. Uh, Yeah, playoff baseball is different, but the Astros are still a team that had been unbeaten in the postseason until last night, that won 106 games in the regular season, that has been to the World Series now four times in the last six years. If you have your foot on their throat, you need to put them away. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think there was a blessing in disguise last night uh, for us when uh, Brandon Marsh misplayed that ball and, uh, you know, lazy Altuve did, did run. Uh, Pena, Pena had to come up, and, and Sir Anthony got him on that uh, nice play by um, Castellanos. So uh, by doing that, instead now you don't have – Pena leading off against Rob Robertson, and if, if he gets one base, say now you got Alvarez coming up, him on first, and now he's got a little bit more an extra base hit, you know. But now you got Alvarez leading off against Robertson, and both him and Tucker, once Rob Robertson got the two strikes on him, they got themselves out. That's that's what I said to obviously on into the TV. Just get ahead of them and let them get themselves out. And they both swung at pitches way way down in the dirt, you know. So, like I said, by, by Pena getting, getting him out of the way, I think it made it a little bit easier for us in inning number 10. Joe, I give you a ton of credit. I believe that you said that. How many people do you actually think believe that? When that ball dropped in, they said, oh, no, that's good. 
Because now we'll get Pena, and Pena won't be on in front of How many do you think really did that above and beyond Joe, Mike? Uh, I think Joe might be the only person in the <laughs> Delaware Valley who felt that way. And it's just, look, it's just a natural reaction. I mean, Joe's obviously thinking these things through, but in the moment, everybody's saying, why didn't Brandon Marsh catch that ball? Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think Joe's taking it to a level that most fans and observers did not. Including Mike Sealski and Jody McDonald, because it didn't, that did not dawn on me for one iota in the moment. Uh, let's try Matt from, I'm not sure where Matt's from, he's going to tell us. Matt, you're on 94 WIP. Matt's got the crew ready for game two today. Yeah, I got my two-year-old and my four-year-old, and they were getting a little bit impatient on hold, but, you know, we're just out here driving around today, so uh, appreciate you taking my call. Thanks for holding, Matt. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, I was telling Kyle what what really stuck out to me is is how many runners they got on base um, facing that bullpen, you know, right after Joe – Sorry, John Smoltz is just you know drooling over their bullpen. Um, they they just found a way to get people on base against that bullpen, and that that was just huge to me. I'm at, at this point, I just I'm not really scared of any pitcher because they figure a way to get men on base. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying, Matt, and and you see it throughout the lineup. I, I think for all the people over the course of the whole season who have complained about Kyle Schwarber being in the leadoff spot. You know, he's not a traditional leadoff hitter. You know, you should drop him in the order because he hits a lot of home runs. One of the very valuable things he does, among many valuable things he's done for the Phillies this season, is he sees a lot of pitches. He gets on base. He walks a lot. And that is a good tone to set throughout an entire lineup. And I think it trickles down to all of those guys. And and you're right. Their, their approach has been different in the postseason. We've seen... Guys putting the ball in play more often. How many hits? You know, Castellanos isn't driving the ball in the postseason, but he's gotten at least three hits during the course of the playoffs where he just gets his bat on the ball with two outs and it ends up finding an open space. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that in a, in a five or seven game series. And is it just me? Or, you know, I know some people are complaining about Schwarber leading off, but maybe it's just me, but there's something about that potential for a leadoff home run that just gets you excited at the start. Sure. Watching a guy like that lead the game off. And he's hit uh, plenty of leadoff home runs uh, all year. It, Mike, did I just watch a game again? Uh, Phillies do anything against that Astro bullpen between innings five and nine? Or, uh, no, I know they, they had a couple of guys on base, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the runs allowed here, and that, that would be a goose egg. Yeah, they, so again, they had a couple they had a couple shots. You know, you think back to the Castellanos at bat that we discussed earlier where he struck out against Naris with a couple men on. Um, yeah, look, I mean, any base runner you get against that Astros bullpen is going to be well-earned because the bullpen is really, really good. Um, but I think there's there's been truth throughout the postseason uh, in what Matt was saying about they, they have kept the pressure on. You know, go back to Game 4 of the Padres series where, you know, once they take the lead when, when Bryce Harper hits that double to the left center field gap— they added on. Add on with you know, huge. And, and that's, they've done that generally. That's exactly what I said here. Last Sunday with Glenn, the add-on runs uh, kept Rob Thompson from having to do certain things with the bullpen, which I think set them up uh, quite nicely. Right, Lisa from Delco is up on 94 WIP. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for taking my call. So, quick couple things. I want to say that I, I'm a Philly fan from the time I was five when my father took me to games. He was a New Yorker who moved to Philly, and he hated the Yankees. So uh, he's no longer with us, but he's happy about what's happening now. I want to say that 
I'm all about management, and I've watched what's happening. And I want to say that if you watch Thompson in the press <laughs> in the press meetings, he mumbles a lot. I love that he plays with the press, and nobody's talked about. I don't know. I must might have missed part of this. Like he's similar to Charlie in that way, and I think that he manages in a similar way where he's listening and watching and intuiting what the players need. And um, so I want to say that if you haven't talked about that, I would love to hear those comparisons between Thompson and Charlie. And the last thing is this. I'm a female. I've been watching baseball since I was, you know, five. And I want to say that uh, I'm really excited because when I was watching the game last night in a bar in, uh, in Delco, uh, the majority, uh, there, was, there were a lot of women in the crowd, and it was exciting nice. to see that happening. But And the last part is this. I I started to feel like Paul Nola. I kept saying Paul Nola, and then I stopped myself from being the negative Philly fan, and I said, you know what? We can do this. We just have to. We have to have faith. And I think there are Philly fans who have faith who don't always go to the negative. So I'm out here to you know say we're out here. It's a good thing. Thanks good for, for you, Lisa. Appreciate yeah. it greatly. Um, wow, she said something that had never ever dawned on me. I got to ask you, Sielski, because you're there uh, doing post game stuff more than me. Rob Thompson mumbling, playing with the media? You get that feeling? I don't get the feeling that he's playing with the media. What I do get the feeling of, and where I think Lisa is on the money, is that neither Charlie nor Rob make it about them. And I think the players appreciate that. You know, this parallel's been drawn a lot, and I think it's appropriate that that the two of them are very similar. You know, Charlie's... Rules for those Phillies teams from 2007 to 2011 were show up on time and play hard and everything else will kind of take care of itself. And the moments when he would come down on a player were when that player happened to violate one of those two rules. But there were only two rules. You know, if Jimmy Rollins didn't run out of pop up, then Charlie might bench him and Jimmy got the message. And that was that. And that very rarely happened anyway. And I think Rob Thompson is very similar in that regard. You don't come into a, a post-game press conference or even a pre-game meeting with Rob Thompson saying, oh, you know, he's just going to say something for the sake of saying something. You know, there, there are no fireworks in those press conferences with Rob Thompson. And that's different from managers who immediately come to mind, you know, when you think of the Phillies and their recent history, whether you're talking about Gabe Kapler, where you're talking about Larry Boa, uh, guys like that who, you know, they were a much bigger presence both in the clubhouse and publicly than either Rob Thompson or Charlie Manuel have been. Agreed. And I think the best comparison between the two skippers is the results. Looseness. You yeah. used the word earlier and it couldn't have been more accurate. They just play loose. That team in 2008 played loose. This team this year playing as loose as can be. Uh, I, I don't care how or what they say after the game, as long as they continue to be able to keep that clubhouse as loose as they have, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. And, and Lisa also made a very good point about um, the female side of the Phillies fan base. I think that is a factor that doesn't get talked about enough, but it's one of the big contributing factors to why – so many people get wrapped up in a World Series run like this in Philadelphia. Um, for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's like a, a PhD dissertation somebody could write about it, but baseball and the Phillies in particular does seem to draw uh, more female fans. Uh, again, maybe we have listeners out there who want to call in with a theory as to why that is, uh, but I, I do think Lisa's right about that, and it adds to the atmosphere in and around the city when the Phillies are going good, everybody 
is really into it. And, oh, by the way, if you've been lucky enough, and Mike has, and I was down there as well, been able to make the games in the postseason, oh, there's a whole bunch of Philly fans, female Philly fans in the building, too. This isn't yep. just a out at the bar, rooting from home, and getting the kids to root for the Philly. No, 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 no. This is hands-on at the game, screaming and yelling. A whole bunch of Philly, uh, female Philly fans as the Phillies are making this World Series run. All right, he's Mike Sealski. I'm Jody McDonald, Jose, Steve, Tom, Lou, Austin, Chris. Stay there. I promise. We'll get some more calls soon as we get back. Keep right here with us on 94WIP. Two balls, two strikes to Bryce Harper. Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's going. Yes. And it is gone. Yes. yes. It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top. Are you kidding me? His 10th <laughs> career home run in the postseason. And he may never hit a bigger one. That is, uh, of course, Scott France again. L.A. on the call as the Phillies make this World Series watch. What we're watching, nice editing done by Kyle Quinn there to get both Zielski and McDonald into the mix. A staple of the Glenn Mack now weekend shows here on WIP and a good lead-in to what you're watching, Mr. Zielski. Yeah, you know, Jody, I'm like a lot of people, I'm sure, in the Delaware Valley. Uh, I haven't been watching much of anything other than <laughs> the Phillies uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, exactly. And it occurred to me that I, I suspect that there are a lot of people who are following this team who are watching the same program, if you'll call it that, which is to say that they're, they are watching either these games in real time and they're turning down the volume on Fox and they are cranking up the radio to hear Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson call the game uh, as it's being played. You can sync it up. I'm sure there's, I think there's a delay uh, on the radio call compared to the live action that you're getting on Fox. It is, but, it is a royal pain in the rear end. Yeah, um, or maybe they're watching these things on online where you're going back and watching the Harper home run with the Fransky L.A. call uh, over it. And I've been doing this a lot too, and I think that for what we're watching, it was kind of appropriate to pay a little homage to those two, pay a little homage to those two guys, to Scott Fransky in particular and to Larry Anderson, because everyone knows how blessed Philadelphia has been over the years uh, with some of the play-by-play and analyst voices uh, that have called games for the Eagles and the Phillies and the Flyers and the Sixers and Big Five basketball and all that. But I saw Scott uh, at one of the games against the Padres. And I said to him, you know, the only person affiliated with the Phillies who is having a better postseason than Bryce Harper is you. And um, <laughs> it's been a real pleasure, both from if you are a fan and both just someone who appreciates what that job entails, uh, to listen to Scott Fransky throughout this postseason. Because I think while he's been terrific since he's gotten here, 
he's gone to another level during this run, kind of like the team. And uh, I just thought it was appropriate to kind of point that out. That's what I've been watching. I've been watching these these clips and these games and listening to Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson. And, you know, I give them four stars out of four. And, oh, by the way, love them all. Love L.A. Yeah. I uh, love all the guys who did the fill-in stuff, uh, different ways of being a color analyst. The, the the change from guy to guy was actually quite entertaining, at least for me. Uh, the TV guys, uh, T-Max being able to hop in and contribute on the uh, television side, and we get uh, Ben and Batalico on the uh, post-game stuff. So they didn't just disappear, but they're not in their usual spots. But Fransky is just so good. And I got to tell you one of the things that I've seen, and again, not what we're watching on TV or something, but just online when uh, they, they have a camera that's actually in the radio booth. Fransky is so able to keep his emotions focused. I don't think I could do that. I, I'm sorry. I'm a Phillies fan. We got the famous clip with wheels pumping his arms. When oh, yeah. The Phillies won the world. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't keep himself from celebrating. And Fransky is, like, so focused and on point, and he doesn't go. His voice tells the story, but physically he doesn't, and I think that's so hard to do. If you're a fan, and I know how big a fan Scott is of the team, man, you got to give him a ton of credit for what the job he's doing right now. Yeah, Greg Murphy has been in the booth with them and uh, videoing their calls yep. for a lot of the big moments. And when uh, Fransky called the Harper home run, of course, you can hear Larry Anderson rejoicing next to him. Uh, but then Murph pans back to Scott, and you just see Scott kind of give this satisfied double fist pump uh, while he's pausing in, in the call. And it, and it speaks to how excited he was to be able to call that and to see the Phillies win that game. He has done a great job, and we'll see if he's got another exciting call in him tonight uh, for Game 2, which you'll get right here, of course, on 94WIP. Jose from Vineland's up on 94WIP. Hey, Jose. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you, buddy? Been a long time, man. Just a shout out to the to, to the veterans and the people that work in the schools. I'm a school teacher, but um, talk about yesterday's game. It was awesome, man. Just just happy. I was talking to the producer on um, the home run that Rio Muto hit over Tucker. That was just poetic justice. Um, just just and then that one. Guy Diaz try to be like slick and try to get hit by the ball like that. And think, <laughs> that umpire thankfully said, "No, no genius, you're not going to get away with that one." Jose, there's actually a a, a clip from the Spanish language broadcast uh, where you can hear the home plate umpire tell Diaz, "You bleeping leaned into it." <laughs> he tells him to stay I in the box. Yeah, he was just trying to be slick, and then just like um. The, the manager had just making all the right moves, but at the end I was a little nervous with Robertson, and um, and and also that 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 little kid that they, they showing them all over the internet. Um, yeah. Yes. When they should bring him in, I would like to love what he said to that older guy next to him. That was so funny too when I saw that. That was just awesome. But um, uh, yeah, the energy that the um, the Philly fans are 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 dishing out is unmatched throughout this country and I'm just glad to be a four for four and I'm just everything is just going to play it feels like 1980 again 1983 we're just it's just it's just been a great time and um oh. and I feel that that same energy from 2017 you know it looked like you know there's gonna be a Cinderella run 
Jose, appreciate your enthusiasm. Thank you much for the call. Maybe this is a little over-analysis on yours truly's part, but wasn't that weak on Almeida's Diaz's part? He's irrelevant. That that Him being on first base means nothing yeah. because the two guys ahead of him on, on base are either going to tie the game or win the game for the Astros. It's kind of ducking your responsibilities, isn't it? You're supposed to be up there driving in those two guys. Oh, let me take a soft pitch to the shoulder so I can pass along to the next guy and put all the pressure on him to get the big hit. Not only was it uh, correctly judged by the umpire, it's kind of weak on Diaz's part. Yeah, a little bit. I think it was a 2-0 pitch, which only, you know, supports your point there, Jody. Let's talk to Steve from Washington Township up on 94 WIP. Yo, Steve. Yeah, fellas, how you doing? So I thought there was three managerial moves, one by Dusty Baker, two by Rob Thompson, that were key factors in the Phillies winning last night. The first one was Dusty Baker leaving Verlander in for the for the full fifth inning. Uh, to get banged around. Um, they were showing on MLB Network how the Phillies had started to adjust by just fouling off his fastball, fouling off his fastball, and then just clobbering his breaking pitch. And that's what they did in the in the fourth, and they continued to do it in the fifth. So that, I thought, was a bad move when you have the best bullpen in baseball not taking Verlander out earlier. The two great moves by Rob Thompson was bringing in Alvarado as early as he did, J.T. Ramuto, they were interviewing him on MLB Network afterwards, said they were talking, and Rob Thompson said, you know, I'm bringing him in earlier than I ever have all season, but we just tied this game up. We've got to keep Houston down. We can't let them get runs here, and it worked beautifully. You know, cause mm-hmm. there's nothing more deflating after you would tie a game and you bring a guy in and then he lets up runs again, you know, to the opposing team. So that was beautiful. And then the you know, when he brought in Al- Alvarez, he popped, I mean, he brought in Alvarado, he popped up Alvarez, struck out Bergman, it was beautiful. And then the last move I thought was great by Rob Thompson, when after Eflin got two outs, he brings in Ranger, the lefty, to pitch to Alvarez, strikes him out. And uh, it was just beautiful, just great managing by Rob Thompson. I don't think very good managing by Dusty Baker at all. I don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, Steve, thank you for the call. I think three for three. Yeah, and I think your point, Steve's point about Dusty Baker, is one that can't. You really need to to put a pin in that one. Where, you know, he's a hundred percent. Steve is a hundred percent right. You could see the Phillies getting better swings at Verlander the longer he was in the game. The first three innings, I don't think they hit a ball hard. You know, Real Muto kind of hit a relative line drive to right field in the first inning, but that was it. But as the game went on. You could see Verlander, you know, not missing bats and the Phillies timing him up. And again, that gets back to the contrast with Rob Thompson, where Dusty Baker managed that game as if, well, I got to get five innings out of my starter when he should have been managing that game like this is the be all and end all of our season. That's the way Rob Thompson managed it. That's why he brought in Alvarado when he did. That's why I brought in Ranger Suarez when he did. Um, And the contrast was pretty stark there, Jody. In-game momentum. You and I talked about this at the top of the show. Rob Thompson has been doing this throughout the entire playoffs. This just didn't come to the foray last night. He has been managing every game as if it's game seven, and we could go home if we don't win this game. And to this point, it has worked tremendously for him. Lou from Jersey's up on 94 WIP. Hello, Lou. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. This game it. one had a serial, eerily similar 
take as the first game of the 80 World Series. They fell behind early. Aikens hits two home runs. Tucker hits two home runs, and they come this massive comeback. And then McBride in the late innings hits a home run. Realmuto hits a home run in the late innings. And when do the Phillies and Astros in the postseason play nine innings? They're always in post. Always an extra inning. <laughs> Fair point there, Lou. Fair point. Yeah, there's a lot of, of parallels there, too. I mean, you're talking about an 80 team that uh, made a, a late charge to the National League East Championship that season. You know, they they clinched the division finally in Montreal when Mike Schmidt hits that two run home run. Uh, it was not a it was not a team that ran away with the division. There was uh, a, a lot of kind of it was an interesting run, right? You know, Dallas Green comes yeah. in the manager and and kind of gets everybody angry at him and it leads to that team finally fulfilling its potential after years of not quite being able to climb to the mountaintop. Yeah, it was only 10 years old when they won the 80 series, but I still remember that, but it just like brought back a lot of memories how eerily similar that game won and this game won once. Lou, I like it, and I would have bet good money that we weren't going to have a Willie Mays Aikens reference on today's show. But uh, you correctly weaved it into today's uh, uh, broadcast. Jody, we've had Willie Mays Aikens, and we've had Gore Vidal. I think I, I feel like we should leave Mac now at home and just keep this highbrow level of discussion that you and I have reached over the last couple of hours. I, I think that we are taking sports talk to a place it has never been before. And uh, I get exactly zero credit for that because <laughs> I didn't go Willie Mays Aikens or Gore Vidal, so uh, good on you and our caller. <laughs> Chris from Southwest Philly's up on 94 WIP. Hey, Chris. Yo, what's up, fellas? How are we doing tonight? Doing great, good, Chris. Bud. Listen, when we were down last night 5 nothing, I said to myself, we have them right where we want them. Wow, you, know. you you have you have more faith than I did. I I was saying, boy, they're down five nothing, and uh, this is a um, you know every every Phillies fan is getting a wake up call as to how good the Astros are. Yeah, my stance yeah, no. was we're not dead yet. Not oh, no, we you, have them exactly where we want them, which is a little no. different. But I had faith too, big guy. No, I know, and it was like like Rocky Four when he cut Drago. Drago was down. Now I didn't know what to happen. That's what that's what's going on now. So. Um, you know, I got a lot of a lot of faith. I think we're going to, um, you know, tonight's a big night, obviously, with we're on the mound to try to take two and then uh, move on. Uh, you know, the Phillies they got this dancing on my own um, as their like little little uh, you know hype videos and hype whatnot. So I got a hype song for you guys too. It's a it's a rap on my ten year old son. You guys ready for it? All right, let's roll All the right. dice here. Here go he goes. It. This is my this is my my ten year old James. Go ahead, James. Hit him with it. Here we go. Let's go. Here in South Philly, we're hyped. Blues ain't going down without a fight. Dancing my own on Broad Street. Arthur Lee's just can't be beat. is going down like Drago. That Philly's going to throw a no-no. While Reese is causing lightning, our Phillies continue fighting. Harper homers to left or right. Doing it again on Friday night. The Fanatics slide over in the chopper. Three more wins, Topper. So open your windows and begin to yell. Ring that bell. Houston, you have a problem. Very nice. I, I like it, Chris. Give you the major thumbs up. Not too shabby. You, you know, I got major Sugar Hill Gang vibes from that rap. I, I don't know about you, Jody. I was that was that was really good. We're going old school. If we're talking Sugar Hill. Yeah. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, I'm in for Glenn Mack now today. Got an hour left to go. Uh, we're heading down to Houston next. Scott Lauber covers the Phils for the Inquirer. Been very good. Always hops on with me at nights when I. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.